Hi, I'm Tisha, and I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that this podcast deals with the hard stuff in life. We share stories of trauma and triumph, and the subject matter may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for content warnings and take care of yourself. If you want to support the work we are doing, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash nowwhatpod. You're listening to Now What, a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Welcome to Now What. You're here with Tisha. And I'm Jen, and we're really excited to be here with um, my friend Natalie, who is an entrepreneur and advocate for body acceptance and inclusivity. And she rebuilt her life after deciding to leave her marriage in 2015 with her four-year-old in tow. She's also um, the founder and owner of one of my favorite places to take movement classes in the city, the Pink Studio, uh, Dance and Fitness. And we're really grateful to have you here, Nat. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I just said a little bit, you went through divorce four years ago, five years, six years ago, five years. Mm-hmm. I can't do math. I apologize. Which that in and of itself is a whole thing. And I think I've told you before, you've built from that what appears to be an enviable life. And I think somebody who might be thinking of, of embarking on a similar type of journey or decision could feel really overwhelmed. So we're really interested to hear your story and and what brought you to where you are now. Thank you. Yeah, my my life is very different now than it was five years ago. It feels like sometimes it feels like how has it only been five years? Because so much has changed. Um, but I would say really I had I mean my big now what moment when I knew in my heart that I had to leave my marriage. And I came to that decision on my own and I knew it in my bones. I just never doubted that, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. I had a four-year-old daughter. I had no job. I was, I was part-time waitressing. And because I'd worked in restaurants prior to having my daughter, So I didn't have a university degree. I didn't have a salary job to go to. I didn't have benefits. Like I knew as soon as I, you know, went on my own, I would not have any of those things. And so it was really overwhelming to feel like, how do I do this with a child? Because it's very different. I wasn't on my own. I couldn't just crash on a friend's couch and, you know, worry about the details. I had to provide um, for my child. I had to have her feel safe and loved and, you know, navigate my way through that. So it was, it was very overwhelming. And uh, all I could do was do one little thing at a time. It was like, okay, get a job. That was like, all I could focus on for a little while. It was like, okay, I need a job that gives me benefits and pays me enough that I can support myself. And even that felt like a hugely overwhelming task. That sounds like even now to me, like incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. I didn't have, you know, I was, I went to theater school. I, w- 
I didn't have, you know, uh, education, um, post-secondary education that, that wasn't singing and dancing, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, which definitely was not paying the bills. So I actually, and I used to, like I said, I, I ran, I worked in restaurants before I became a mom. So one day I was sitting in Starbucks and letting my mind wander. And I started watching the people behind the counter. And I suddenly had this light bulb moment that was like, hey, if I could run a restaurant, I could run a coffee shop. It's the same thing in the morning. Because I knew I couldn't go back to the restaurant industry because as a single mom, there's no childcare till two or three in the morning. And those were the right. hours. Yeah. So I applied to work at Starbucks and I got the job and I was a store manager. So, you know, I had great benefits. I had a salary and I could kind of make my hours around her school schedule. Right. Right. And that was, I mean, I knew I didn't want to serve coffee forever. And I, and I had dreams of opening my own business one day, um, which seemed like, well, now I'll never be able to do that. But I thought, okay, let me work for one of the biggest brands in the world and learn how they do business. So I approached that job from day one as Starbucks Business School. <laughs> and that's what I jokingly referred to it as with my friends and family. Starbucks Business School, because I couldn't afford to go to business school. So I treated my job like that. And I did every training that that company offered and took any meetings with people at head office and tried to learn everything about their policies and procedures and hiring. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I knew one day all of this was going to help me down the road to do something that had nothing to do with coffee, but it was going to, it was going to help. And once I had the job, I was like, okay, I need a place to live. So it was, you know, it was just really just one thing at a time, setting myself up. And you were doing this kind of on your own, right? Like this wasn't something your husband at the time was helping you with. No, this was, um, yeah, this was on my own. This was, this was the third time that I had left. So in the previous five years or four years um, since our daughter was born, I had left twice and come back, um, which is a very common story. You know, oftentimes it's not the first time because I just, I wanted to, I wanted it to work. I, I wanted, I didn't want to break up my kids' parents. That was heartbreaking. I wanted to be able to tell her one day when she was older and she asked me that I did everything I possibly could have to make it work. So so I, I had gone back twice. So in terms of, you know, the marriage not being in a good place, that was not a secret. But the seriousness of this time, like I had never before gone to the point of finding an apartment. Yeah. You know, that made it real. Had you told him yet or were you just doing this, getting yourself set up? 
I was getting myself set up and I told him once I had a lease already signed. Right. Wow. Um, because you, when there's a child involved, a young child, you can't do anything spur of the moment no. or not. You, you just can't. I mean, both of you know what it's like to have small kids. Like they're, they have their routines, you know, you can't just, and you also can't take someone away from their other parent. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, he was a good, he's a good father. He's still a good father. He, you know, I wasn't trying to take her away from him, but I had to set myself up so that I could leave in a way that wasn't traumatic for her. It was a smooth transition. And you weren't just winging it, right? As you said, you couldn't just go crash on your friend's couch and bring your kid along with you. No, no, you can't. So you, it's very intentional, I think. And when women decide to leave and often when there are children involved, it is very intentional. It's not a decision that I took lightly. It's not a decision that came quickly or easily. A lot of friends did sort of criticize me or judge, you know, the situation from the outside. Like, how could you do this? As if it wasn't something that I agonized over for years. Um, Years. Years. (laughs) Years. You know, if, if, if we didn't have a daughter, we would have been divorced years before. I think, well, coming, like I, I was just at home. No, I say just, I hate that word just, but I was at home with the kids exclusively, you know, until I started, you know, working some part-time jobs and stuff and thinking to where you are when you're in that place, like the thought of having to support yourself in Toronto, like how, how yeah. I, I can't, I, I, that you alone did that is to me is just amazing, to be honest. Yeah. I, you know, I waived spousal support. Like I never got any spousal support. Um, I waived it to get more time with her and to negotiate other things and, um, you know, child support for, for one child. It's not, you know, a huge amount. Um, but he has, been paying that the entire time Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was you know I had to save up money too I had to that first year there things were budgeted to the like any luxuries we had were um gifts from my parents who who were very supportive like ballet lessons that first year my mom paid for her to do ballet because she wanted to, and I could not have put her in ballet. There was no money for anything like, you know, fun like that, like extra extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I did have, you know, the privilege of having parents who were supportive and able to um, Help. help with a few things like that. So you got the job, you got the apartment, and then you had the conversation that I can't even imagine. And then you moved out. And like, what was that like? It was 
it was very traumatic. There was very emotional. There was a lot of hurt and anger on both sides. It wasn't, um, it was quick because I had made arrangements because I had set everything up and I knew when it happened, it needed to happen fast. Mm -hmm. Um, again, to minimize the impact to our kid. So it was very quick, but it was awful. You know, I just had friends and, and family that came one day and helped me put things in a truck. I took very little because we weren't moving out of one home together. It was just me and he was staying in that home. So it also would have been traumatic for her to come home from school and see the home that she knew as home be ransacked and look empty. You know, it was like, try to make it look as close to as it does now. Like, you know, I just took all my personal things and some of her things and a few furniture items, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was that first apartment was a mishmash. I felt like I was in college again. It was a mishmash of things I borrowed from whoever, a dresser from the side of the road. Like, you know, I felt like I was 18 in a college dorm. Because I was like texting friends, who has a can opener? Like, bring me your random kitchen gadgets that you don't need. A friend gave me a knife block and I almost cried. You know, I was yeah. like, thanks. Because <laughs> um, you need those things. You need those things. I, <laughs> you know, there was a, there, there was a big, you know, moment of emotion that first night when I didn't have a pot to cook her pasta in, you know, and I'm just trying to make her dinner and I didn't even have a pot. And, uh, you know, I'm texting someone and they're going to Walmart to buy me a pot. And in the moment, those things seem so big. Mm -hmm. It feels just so overwhelming. I can't make her pasta. I can't make her dinner. How, what are we going to do? You know, those, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I was confident that I was doing the right thing. There was not a moment I doubted. I was doing the right thing for all of us, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. I had no idea. And I didn't have confidence in myself that I was going to be able to do it. I just knew this is the right thing. So you just have to keep doing things one at a time yeah, and move forward. And that first night was a disaster. Mm. Like we moved into a tiny little house, a couple blocks from her dad, very close. Because again, I just wanted everything to to be close to her school and, and be able to go back and forth easily. And the first night she stayed with friends all day while we were moving. My friends helped me set up, you know, the apartment in record time. So it looked kind of welcoming and homey for her when she came home. And then everyone left and it was just me and her in this house. I got the pot. I made the pasta. (laughs) I put her to bed and you know, I'm just kind of getting settled and like sitting with the fact that like I just left an 11 year relationship. 
and I'm on my own for the first time when I hear her downstairs and she's throwing up. So she threw up over everything, her whole beds, her whole pajamas, everything. (laughs) So, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm trying to, so I put her in my bed. I'm taking all of her stuff, bedding, putting in the washing machine. Right. The apartment came with a brand new washer dryer, which was great. It still had the stickers on it. It still had the tags on it. I'm trying to cut the tag off the washing machine so that I can open the door and shove the stuff in it and figure it out. Like I'm pressing buttons. Like I don't even know what I've never looked at this machine once. Right. And it's midnight and I'm trying to like wash all the things. Yeah. And those because nights we, as a parent are hard. Hard. Like I've, I've had the, the, the vomiting nights. It's on the best of days with two parents, a disaster. Yeah. yeah. So then she's in my bed and then she throws up again over all of my things. Okay. Now I strip the bed again. Now, you know, I took very little with me. So I had one set of bedding for her, one set of bedding for me. There was no backup sheets. There's, I'm going through boxes trying to find, is there a blanket? She's wrapped up in my bathrobe, sleeping on a bare mattress. And the next couple hours was just a series of, she just couldn't stop throwing up and poor, poor kid. And I had nothing. I hadn't even, you know, I had no, um, it was January. So it's middle of winter. I had no more blankets, nothing. And I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I have to call him. I have to call my ex-husband who I just left today. And I took a moving truck and took my stuff out of his house. And now I have to call him for help. And I did. I was like, she's sick. I need you right now. Please bring blankets. Please bring sheets. This is the address. And he did, he showed up and I just felt like such a failure because I couldn't even do one night without him. And I had this moment of like, what was I thinking that I could do this on my own and have a career and be a mom with, without, you know, a partner and I can't even do one night. I can't even do one night without him. Yeah. So the self-doubt is creeping in. Big time. It was, it was awful. That was like a very low moment where I questioned everything. Of course. I questioned like, why did, did I just completely blow up my whole life for nothing? Did I lose friends and, you know, marriage and you know, scar my daughter for life and like all of this for selfish reasons and for, you know, nothing good. It was, that was the, the low point. Cause there likely weren't enough feelings that day anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I already had to like, you know, put my wedding dress in the back of my best friend's car and just tell her to deal with it. Like the things that you, you know, that you don't even think about ever having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, she's like, what do you want me to do with it? 
I don't know. Just get rid of it. Do something. <laughs> she's Burn like, it. She's like, it. I'll handle it. She like throws in the back seat. She's like, I've got it. It's handled. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like everything is so dramatic. Everything's, you know, just very overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then where do you go from there? Like you have this first night where you're doubting yourself and you have to call him to come and rescue you. You know, you're the damsel mm-hmm. in distress, which is like the last thing you want to be that day. The last thing, like, you know, I wanted to be this like independent, badass woman who could just handle shit and Instead, yeah, I was calling to be rescued, you know, so it, it took a long time. That first year sucked. Mm-hmm. I think I have a lot of friends who are starting the process or going through the process of divorce at the moment. Um, you know, a lot of relationships have fallen to the pandemic and mm-hmm. they're going through it right now. And they're like, Oh, you, you know, you're so happy. Things are fine. You're, you and your ex just, you know, text and co-parent so easily. I'm like, yeah, but that there's nothing, there's no going around walking through the mud of that year. Like you just got to slog through it. The thing that helps is that time eventually softens the emotions, but that first year, there's so many emotions from everybody me, him, both of our families, you know, it's two whole families that are separating that have been in each other's lives for 10 years, over 10 years. Yeah. So it's very emotional for a lot of people involved. Right. And then for a four-year-old who doesn't even probably know what her emotions are, but she's feeling all the things. Mm -hmm. She is. But I mean, I joke to people that she handled it better than any of the adults in the situation. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes kids are just so impressive and so resilient. And um, you both know that. Mm -hmm. It's so, of course, she had her moments. Of course, she was, you know, confused and sad some days, but, but she really handled it exceptionally well. Kids can be very resilient, right? Yes, huge. And mm-hmm. yeah, just so, so impressed with her. Um, well, I think it probably speaks to you and her dad and putting in that work when she was kind of at that age when there's only so much that they really can understand and process, right? Mm-hmm. That you're at this place now where you text and you co-parent and, and when I think she would probably be even more impressionable. I don't know. I just think that probably speaks to a lot of it. Like, you know, I don't think you should underestimate your own strength and, and, you know, the work that you guys have put in. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of biting my tongue, swallowing my emotions because you think, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Is this worth it? Usually not. You know, the best advice that I got with, you know, wanting to um, be, have a healthy co-parenting relationship. And this is what I tell people now who, who are going through it is I'm like, just 
always 100% of the time role model the behavior that you wish the other parent was giving you. Mm-hmm. So give them everything that you wish you had, right. which meant that I surprised him with video calls, you know, when we had phone calls every night, but then sometimes I'd be like, why don't you video call daddy? I'm sure he'd love to see your face. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing beats that as a parent when you haven't seen, you know, your child and like video call. And was it reciprocated? Hell no. You know, (laughs) not at first. (laughs) That's the thing. So I just kept doing everything that I wished I was getting. So that was like over communicating. So I over communicate, I over communicated everything about her day. Mm-hmm. I was just like oh she did this and you know and if I had a video from ballet class I would just send it right. you know any photos I would just send you know I sent pictures I sent communication all of that and I didn't get it back in return for a while because he was so hurt for a long time but then I started to get it mm-hmm. and then everything that I wished I was getting it slowly started to come around cultivate this relationship yeah yeah you were really modeling how you wanted it to work right yeah yeah which I imagine took a lot of strength for you because you're dealing with your own stuff too right like you said you had to bite your tongue and (laughs) you know dealing with yeah my own emotional you know journey and uh, self-doubt and you know but I just didn't I didn't give up on the fact that I think we can have a great relationship for the sake of her because I so badly did not want her to grow up and have to choose between parents or ever think, oh, I'm inviting mommy to this soccer game, so I can't invite dad. Or like if I'm in the school play, I guess mom can come on this night and dad can come on this night. Like, I don't even, I didn't even want her to have to deal with that. Right. So I was like, we're going to have to figure out how to do this together. I said, one day, one day, you know, maybe we'll all like have Thanksgiving together. And he said, (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget this. He said, you're delusional. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are five years later. And I can absolutely see us having Thanksgiving dinner together. Mm -hmm. It's not far-fetched at all. You know, being in a pandemic, we did her birthday this year, just the four of us, me, my partner, him and his partner. So her four parents and, uh, you know, and now we have a group chat that is, her four parents and we group chat and I text his partner and she sends photos to me and it took a lot of work to get there of course and I'm how long has this been five years five years okay so it's taken a while to kind of get there yeah it's taken a while and obviously when you bring other partners into it takes a while just with the two people So then if you start dating people and those emotions come into it of there being another person in the mix, that also, you know, adds a 
a layer of complication and you just got to keep, keep fighting and for what you want that relationship. I think a lot of people underestimate how hard divorce is if they haven't experienced it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. It could look like I decided I was going to leave my husband and I did. And now everything's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it wasn't always, and it wasn't no, an easy and decision for you to make. Like, I think you used the word agonizing. I yeah. think you said, I think that was your word. I do think it looks like that sometimes from the outside. And I do think there's a idea that people think, well, when you're the one that chooses to leave the marriage, you should be okay with it. And you must be happy. It must be, easy. this is what you wanted. This is what you signed up for. Yeah, you know, so you're partying. Right. Like you should be the one who's doing fine. You know, it, just because I was the one who decided to leave doesn't mean it was easy at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not, I mean, I, no one's in a committed relationship like that if they don't love the person. Mm hmm. And so even if your feelings right. maybe have changed, even if the marriage is not working anymore, those feelings were there and are, you remember them, even if you don't actively feel them anymore, right? And I think, I think that whether there's a child involved or not, but then there's th this added weight of being a parent. Yeah, you, know? You, you know, you have love for someone that in a way sometimes that you'll always have love for that person because of the memories that you had or the history or that time in your life that you spent together. Yeah. You know, so I, I understand what you're saying, Jen. So. Well, and, and like you come from a home, your, your parents are still together. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably impacts that a decision like that too. I don't know. I think it would for me, my, my parents are mm -hmm. still together as well. Like I had a, you know, by all accounts, stable childhood. And, you know, you want, if you had something like that, that's what you want for your children. Yeah. There's still, there's always those feelings of failure. There's always a feeling of like, I failed, not use those words. I, I don't say now that my marriage was a failure or when people use the term, like, oh, my marriage failed or like, oh, your marriage failed. I'm like, it didn't. But but it feels like that. The feelings of failure are there. That's what you feel. Um, but I'm sure. I don't think it was, I don't think it was a failure. I think it was a, a beautiful time in my life until it wasn't. And it was time for me to, mm -hmm. you know, move on and create a different life. I just realized it wasn't, I was also very young. You know, we got married very young. I was young. I hadn't really dated anybody this was somebody that I had been with since I was 19 years old, you know, so I changed as a person. It wasn't even like, you know, what happened, who did something wrong. It was, I changed and realized I was not living the life that I wanted to. And it was only once I got divorced that I started living intentionally, that I was so intentional about creating my life and every choice that I made about creating a life that I wanted that today I sit in it and I'm like this is incredible 
I did it. Love my life. <laughs> well, I think it's funny how something that uh, funny was probably the wrong word, but when something happens in your life, I mean, that's kind of why we're here. That kind of puts it all into question, or is maybe one of the darkest times in your life gives you that perspective to be able to move forward in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be and to want to be intentional, right? Like. Yeah, not to float through life. Like it's so, you know, I was like, I I was terrified of waking up, you know, 10 years later and just realized I just sort of bobbed along Mm -hmm. and ended up in this life and thought, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how did I get here? This was not who I am. This is not what I thought my life would be like. And it's never too late to like redesign it. No. You know, it can feel, it can feel like you're trapped, whether you're trapped in a job or a relationship or a city or, you know, but, but it's just, and the whole thing is overwhelming to do any sort of change. So for me, it was just about like, okay, each tiny little step, I'm just going to keep taking little steps in this direction until something major comes in my way. But then you realize you just slowly keep going in the direction that you want because you don't have to know how, you know, if you know what you want, but you're stuck on like, how can that possibly happen? I had a, someone say to me once, don't worry about how you're going to get there. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard that how, of course I have to work. And she said, don't worry about how you're going to get there. You know what you want and keep because if you get so stuck on the how we trap ourselves in that like well there's no way I could never Mm -hmm. it's impossible because you can't see your way out of it yep Mm -hmm. so you got to let go of the how sometimes and just have a really clear vision and then just do one little thing at a time I feel like you're describing Jen and I and the podcast. <laughs> I'm available to record commercials. <laughs> but, right? We're not professional podcasters. This isn't like what we do, but we have this vision and we're like, let's yeah. just, let's go for it and yeah. let's see where this leads. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to talk with like remarkable people. Yeah. Um, and we've got these grand ideas for it. And we're like, well, who knows how we're going to get there, but we want this and we want this and we want yeah. this. And something that really struck me that you said um, earlier was how you treated your job at Starbucks, like, like business school. Business and I, school. I found that, I mean, that alone, that's, a, that's so smart, but that you were able to see it as that when you were when you were trying to make these baby steps, that you still were able to see that great bigger picture and like what that was. I, I think that is, I'm very impressed by that because I don't know. Thanks. Well, no, that I'm was just, like, just honestly out of necessity because it's like, okay, if I had, if money was no object, what would I, you know? And I thought, well, I probably would go to business school because then I could start a business and it would be great. And um, now I don't know that going and getting a business degree would have served me as well in my current business as those three years at Starbucks. 
Well, that's what I mean that like, but you were in this really kind of emotional and tumultuous like time and, but you were able to like flip your mindset enough. Like, yes, this is a means to an end in terms of finances. And this is a job that I can get and it fits all the boxes and whatever. And then also like really, really seizing the opportunity, like how you were saying, taking the meetings with HQ and like doing all of that stuff. You I know, think I, I don't know also so because, well, it was exciting to be thinking about myself first, you know, because I hadn't my entire career. Well, I didn't have a career up until that point, you know, mm-hmm. because I took odd jobs and part-time work around, you know, my ex-husband's schedule because he had a very demanding schedule. So I had to really work around that. Yeah. So it really constricted me into the type of work I could do. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of work at these odd hours in these in shift work. So it was, I think, a time where I was like, felt nice to put energy into my own development. It felt like I was taking control over my time and my job. And that was exciting for me because I hadn't really felt, you know, I hadn't had a job before that I was like really took pride in or, or put tons of effort into. And and yeah, sure. It was a coffee shop, but it was, you know, it was a family and, and I was, you know, a lot of the, the staff that work there are, are young and, you know, they're college students themselves, sometimes putting themselves through school. So it was like a mom relationship mm-hmm. where I felt like now I had 15 kids that I was like managing <laughs> and, you know, they would come to me for advice and help. And, you know, so it was like a little, little family kind of. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, it is one of the biggest brands in the world. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that is, I mean, what an amazing place too. I learned how they hire, how they interview, how they train. And I'll be the first to tell you, it is exactly how I do it in my own business. Because they've obviously know something's right at work. Yeah. And the biggest compliment I get now on my studio and Jen can attest to this is that people tell me all the time, they say, you have amazing people working for you. Your staff is incredible. Your teachers are incredible. And I'm like, thank you. And they are, but also I'm incredible at hiring. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, it fits right into your, your confidence brand and all of that, my friend. So you have to say things like that. Well, it's just that I learned, you know, and I'm, I'm super, super picky about who works at my business because it's my brand and I'm very protective of it. And uh, you're nothing without your, your people. You're nothing without your staff um, as a small business owner, you know, so, but everything, even the, you know, Starbucks does do a lot in terms of diversity training and inclusion training. And I did all of it. Any seminar they would let me sign up for, I did. Any course they would let me sign up for, I did. Yeah. Everything. Um, like such and they're as... not perfect. Nobody is. No. But I learned a lot. You, you made like everything of that opportunity. And that's amazing. If you, what would you hope that somebody listening to your story would kind of, the key thing that they would take away? 
from it. So many things. <laughs> I know. That's not an easy one. Um, you can pick a couple. Yeah. You know, forgive yourself for your past mistakes. Anytime there's a divorce, it's unusual that you can say this is 100% on one person. It almost never is. It almost is two people, two imperfect people making mistakes. You know, I was, I made a lot of mistakes. I wasn't uh, perfect on my end, but you know, so in order to step into the woman that I wanted to be, to step into her shoes and create her life and be this person that I always imagined myself to be, I had to forgive myself for mistakes I had made and things I'd done. And even the divorce, being the one to leave, being the one to choose to make that decision can weigh on you. And you have to be able to not let it, you have to just, you know, forgive yourself and move forward. Absolutely. And role model the behavior. And that can go for people in relationships too, not just co-parenting relationships. Well, I was thinking even... I, when you were saying it, I was thinking, I think most relationships could learn something from that piece yeah. of advice. Um, yeah, I always think like, okay, what do I, what would I want right now? And I go and do it for my partner. That's so, that's such a smart, and like, like, so smart. Love. The other thing is just like, love is out there. And it's so good. And it's going to get so good once you get through the shit. Once you walk through the fire on the other side of the divorce, on the other side of walking through the mud, it's so good. And one day you're just going to be sitting with somebody and everything is going to make sense. And you're going to think like, this all makes sense. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is exactly the person I'm supposed to be with. And everything was worth it. Oh, my heart. I, um, <laughs> you put that out there. Like that is, that, that feel, that one piece there feels like it just embodies what you put out there, Natalie, completely. That you are living this, the life that you've always wanted. And it's, personally a reason that like I will so look up to you I think you are really amazing and all you've accomplished <laughs> thank you um, and I really hope that your your wedding gets to happen in November because <laughs> Natalie I know I was supposed home. to be married by now <laughs> she was supposed to get married this past November COVID, um, happened, COVID happened so, so we're all going to put the positive vibes out there for Natalie and Seneca yeah. Thank yes. you. And, and getting um, married a second put... time. So fun too. If anyone I... listening to this is like thinking, you know, they might get remarried a second. Let me tell you planning a wedding second time round where you get to do exactly what you want. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> Cause you did it for everyone else the first time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. Thank yes. you. And we will um, put a link in the description for how people can follow you, or maybe you can tell us how people can follow you if they're interested. Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Nat underscore Borch and um, find more about like 
you know, my business and sort of the work that I do as a speaker on um, body acceptance and stuff like that at thepinkstudio.ca. And take a class. I highly recommend that. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. And make sure to find us on Instagram at nowwhat underscore podcast. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.